Alright folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to talk about last night's Denver Nuggets win as the Nuggets defeat the Golden State Warriors' final score, 119-103. Really impressive game. Really, really impressive game for the Nuggets as they... Hadn't really been tested, obviously, over the course of the the first two games after the All-Star break, but this was their first major test. They got down 15, and they ultimately passed with flying colors. It was really, really nice to see, and I think Denver proved a lot, to me at least, over the course of this uh, three-game stretch, where you take care of business. You actually you make it look simple, and... Denver, they made this look simple against one of the best teams playing right now in Golden State. Golden State had really like done a lot of great things over the course of these past few weeks, and it was simple. It was a simple process, and Denver made it look great. Uh, was just a was an interesting way for them to go about it. Uh, Denver got down as as I mentioned at the beginning. They fought back behind excellent performances from Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. And it was just a lot of fun. A lot, a lot of fun to watch on national TV. Didn't look like it was going to be very fun during the first quarter, but uh, the Nuggets, as everybody here knows and understands, you can't kill them by just winning the first quarter. You have to play well throughout. Golden State did not, and the Nuggets took advantage. They absolutely did. And they fought back very methodically throughout that game, ultimately taking a lead into the third quarter. And it, it was it was a great, great performance just overall. So really excited to talk about it. Really excited to get into all of the details. Uh, really quickly, we are doing the Joker shirt promo here. Uh, this shirt, by the way, is only going to last until March 2nd. That is the final day. March 2nd is the final day you can get the Nikola Jokic Mile High Sports shirt uh, that coincides with Denver's game against the LA Lakers on Saturday. So Saturday, March 2nd is your final day to go get that one. Make sure to go check it out. Link is in the description below if you haven't already. Um, It is a good shirt. And why wouldn't you want to have one of the best shirts about one of the best players that we've ever seen? And like that dude is unbelievable. He has been incredible to see. And we're going to talk all about it. We're going to talk about Jokic. We're going to talk about Murray in the first segment. I've got some interesting things about this in the second segment about different lineups and combinations that Denver went with, as well as just giving KCP some credits. He hasn't had a ton of credit, in my opinion, but deserves it clearly. And then third segment, I'm going to go over whether I was wrong to be a little bit concerned prior to the All-Star break. Okay, first things first, though, Nikola Jokic, 32 points, 16 rebounds, 16 assists, 4 steals, 1 block. First of all, that's a line that nobody in NBA, NBA history has ever accomplished before, ever. 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 And he did it against Draymond Green at center. Draymond Green's one of the most dominant players on the defensive end in NBA history. And he's been giving centers fits for years because of how smart he is, how physical he is, how handsy he is, 
And there were times last game where, or last night, where Jokic was a little bit bothered by that physicality, where Draymond bothered him a little bit. He got him off of his spot. He did some good things. But Jokic just keeps coming. There's no stopping him. And Draymond, like, I thought it was very interesting on his podcast after the game, uh, the Draymond Green show. He had a tremendous amount of respect for Nikola Jokic and what he was able to provide over the course of this last calendar year plus since the Warriors had won their championship. Draymond hasn't played Jokic a bunch since then. It might like he's he's been out a couple times. He's been out due to suspension. And in that time, Jokic has become a better player. And that was after he put up one of the greatest seasons in regular season history in the 2021-22 season. Jokic since then has improved. He's understanding the game even more. He's even more physical. Draymond was talking about his conditioning and how great that is, how he was running Draymond up and down the floor, which is just never something you hear about a center doing to the small ball warriors. That's just not a thing. And yet Joker was doing it. He impacts the game in so many ways, and I think Draymond just has this tremendous amount of respect for a player that goes about it that way. And he he kept, in that podcast, kept calling Jokic one of the all-time greats, one of the all-time players. And that's a really, really exciting thing for Denver, where they kind of just own this matchup now. But it had been without Draymond in several of those matchups. And I was kind of looking forward to this one specifically because this was going to be a configuration with Draymond at center, Steph on the floor, everybody's healthy on the Warriors side of things pretty much. And it didn't matter ultimately. Where Denver locked in, Jokic was a plus 23, I believe. And like it just, it just didn't ultimately matter because Jokic is that good and Denver is that good as a team. And that was really cool to see. That was a that was just one of those things that you you have to have respect for. I put this out on Twitter. Players in NBA history to have at least 15 rebounds, 15 assists, and four steals in NBA history. You have Magic Johnson doing it twice. You have uh, Russell Westbrook. You have Jason Kidd, and you have Michael Ray Richardson, and you have Nikola Jokic now. That's five point guards, or yeah, five point guards, one of them just being a point center. It's incredible to watch sometimes, and you never want to take it for granted. Over the course of these last three games, Jokic has had at least 14 rebounds and 14 assists in each of those games, which has never been done in NBA history. Never. Like, that's insane. That's an insane thing to say. And Jokic, during that stretch, he's the only, like, in those three games, like a three-game span, he had at least 40, like, 45 points, 45 rebounds, 45 assists. That has only happened for one other player in NBA history, and that was Russell Westbrook, right at the end of his time with the Washington Wizards in a situation where they're just like, hey, Russ, here, do stuff. And Russ did, and it was great. But, like, it's never really happened before. And this is how I know that Jokic is as locked in as he is, because he's finding these opportunities. Yes, they're in advantageous situations against the Wizards and the Blazers. Nobody's denying that. But it doesn't really matter what kind of coverage you throw at him. It doesn't really matter like how tired he is. He, he talked about it after the first home game, that 
it just doesn't matter. Like, he might be tired. He might be coming off of a shorter All-Star break. But he's still got three days. <laughs> and, like, for some players, that's just all you need. For the all-time greats, that's all you need. And Jokic is, like, there's no question about it anymore. He's an all-time great. And describing him as anything other than that would be ludicrous, in my opinion. Um, this is another thing, and good on Rob Shelton here. Three third-quarter triple-doubles. Like, it's not even fourth-quarter triple-doubles anymore. Against the Wizards, and frankly against the Blazers, there was a chance that he would have it in the first half. Like, against the Wizards, he probably should have had it in the first half. But he is impacting the game all around in so many ways right now that it's ludicrous. He's not going to keep this up for the entire time. Nobody's asking him to keep this up for the entire time. But it is tremendous to watch him at this pace right now. And for him to be doing this over and over and over again speaks to the level that he is reaching when the team needs him to reach it. It's been really cool to see, and I can understand for a couple reasons why it's happening. Here's one. Denver passed the Clippers in the standings last night. The Clippers lost to the Sacramento Kings. The Nuggets are, they've won three in a row now. They're still only six and four in their last ten games, but they are moving on up here. And the only teams that are now ahead of Denver, that have barely lost at all, are the Timberwolves and the Thunder. So the Nuggets are trying to climb the standings. No matter what anybody says, they want the one seed. They are competitive. They want that. They know how important that is. Jokic knows how important that is. Is it the most important thing? No. Nobody's saying that. But it is one of those things where they are going to have plenty of opportunities to continue climbing the standings if he plays like this over and over and over again. And it's just really exciting to watch. I should pivot to Jamal Murray before we hit a break. Jamal did not look good in the first quarter. He didn't. I was very concerned just with the way that he was moving, some of the first plays that he had. There was one possession that he had where, like really early on in the game, like first couple plays, where he couldn't free himself up from Andrew Wiggins at all and then kind of switched on to, um, like he got switched on to Jonathan Kaminga, and some turnover happened or some missed shot happened. And then Murray could like he couldn't get back in transition or or chose not to because just the way that he looked for the rest of the game is kind of, I think it might have been a choice, if I'm being honest. But it didn't look good. And I was a little bit concerned for obvious reasons because a shin splints injury is one of those things where it's a stress thing. And the only way you are going to solve it is if you rest it. And it just hadn't looked like Denver was going to get any rest from this. And that Murray wasn't going to get any rest. So I was very concerned heading into this one, like saying, okay, he missed the previous game. It doesn't necessarily look very good. And okay, he's not moving very well. This is not a great sign. And then he comes out in the second quarter. After only having two points in the first quarter. Murray had 16 points in the second quarter. Six of seven from the field. I think he made three threes during that time. 
And he was dynamic. He was so good. Even without Jokic on the floor, he was like, he, at, especially at the end of that stint for him, he was making plays. He was looking good. And I think this is another, um, another salient point from Rob. Murray's one of those guys that when you get through the pain, he'll be okay. Murray's really good at fighting through pain. He's really good at kind of centering his mind around what needs to be done, what has to be accomplished. And I just don't want him to have to do that every time, which like shouldn't be that much to ask, I guess. Like you, You'd want him to be fully rested and recovered for the playoffs. Hopefully he's able to be in a better position in the playoffs. Maybe this is something where Denver will try to get him more rest opportunities throughout the rest of the regular season. But in the in the like the meantime, it was very concerning to watch him kind of struggle to get up and down the court, at least at the beginning, but he fought through it, had 16 points in the second quarter, and flipped the tenor of the game. Denver was on, like they were down 15 points or so, maybe maybe 16 or 17. They were down by a lot in that second quarter. Murray has 16 points. Denver ultimately ties it up at the end of the half, even when Klay Thompson had 23. Klay Thompson was going off. He was doing some crazy shit. And he was playing great. And the way that Jokic and Murray played in the first half, it didn't ultimately matter that Klay had gone off. It didn't. And Denver tied it up. They then worked their magic through the rest of the game. And that was that. But it was nice to see Murray in particular rise to the occasion here where, yeah, for the for the rest of the game, Murray had 11 points on three of nine from the field. But they didn't need him to be great throughout the entire game. They just needed a quarter and they got it. Murray scored 15 or more points in a single quarter for just the third time this year. The first time was against Brooklyn on the road, where that was probably Murray's best statistical game this year. He had like 32 points, 9 assists. He was efficient as hell. He was great on the road at Brooklyn. The second one was against Boston on the road in the second quarter, where Denver needed him to go off, and he did. And then the third time was last night. It's so funny how this works, man. Like, it is really, really funny because Murray plays not great for periods of time where he's not not necessarily making the great decisions. And I thought that he had some pretty bad decisions in the third and fourth quarter too. But right when you're counting him out, right when you're thinking, okay, maybe this isn't a good idea, then he proves exactly who he is once again. And he had 27 points on the game, had 16 in the second quarter, did everything that he needed to do in the first half to keep Denver in it. And then he made some clutch buckets in the second half, too. So it's hard for me to be too critical, despite the fact that I I would like it if he were a bit more healthy at this point. But is that something that he, he or others can really control right now? No. So you kind of just got to work for the best of it. You got to figure it out. You got to navigate the situation. And if you can, then it'll be okay. So credit to Murray. Credit to Jokic. Jokic is doing things that we've never, ever seen before. Murray's just an enigma. <laughs> like he just, you, sometimes you don't know what you're going to get, but for the most part, like he's going to deliver and it's just been very, very cool to see. So credits to those guys. They were at the center of everything for Denver tonight. 
But there were some other guys that actually played really well too. And when we get back on the other side, we will talk about KCP, Aaron Gordon, and some other players that really played well. But first, everybody, this podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports, who are the most trusted name in sports gambling with a direct line to Las Vegas. You can use their promo code MILEHIGH and score up to 250 bucks with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, Superbook will match your first bet up to 250 with promo code MILEHIGH. Download the Superbook Sports app, enter the promo code, and you'll get 250 bucks, courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Pick Axe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. As always, if you can, please like and subscribe to the channel if you're new. Would really appreciate you hopping in and and, uh, always giving some likes and and comments, what you like about the program and things like that. Swipe and I have been putting out a bunch of great content. He actually just signed a deal with Player's Choice, so make sure to go check out Player's Choice as well to support my guy. Uh, but we've been putting out some great, interesting content. I think that Swiper will be back in town, and we're going to record some videos offline as well in studio. So should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it tremendously. All right. Let's go over some of the rest of these things. Um, Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon is... The third member of the big three. And sometimes Porter like is talked about that way. And sometimes Gordon is talked about that way. But I think at Denver's apex, I think when they are at their best, it really is Gordon. And the reason for that is you had some plays like he had last night where he connects the, the two-man game into a three-man game with Denver running as many horn sets as they are when they're running C action, when they're running uh, some of the pin-down screens that they do for Murray and for Jokic, Gordon is often initiating or setting screens or being involved in the short corner or things like that. And Denver just does a great job of looping him in and having him take the most efficient shots possible. Listen to this line for, for Gordon. Plus 21, he led the team in plus minus last night again. He led them again in Portland. And I wonder if he led them against Washington as well. 17 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 steals, 1 block. Did have 2 turnovers, did have 4 fouls. He shot 7 of 10 from the field, but he was 7 of 7 from 2. 0 of 3 from 3. 3 of 5 from the line. He's still got to figure out the jumper, there's no doubt about it. But like when you're going 7 of 7 from 2, and you're taking advantage of the undersized Warriors when they downsize... I don't think they played Kevon Looney and Draymond Green together at all last game. Draymond Green played 27 minutes. Uh, Kevon Looney only played 10. Trace Jackson Davis, one of their other centers, played 12. And then uh, Dario Saric had 9. So they're trying to figure out a bunch of different ways to kind of match up with Jokic. Looney played the other 10 minutes. That So basically how they broke it up. Draymond played 27 minutes against Jokic. And Kevon Looney played 10. 
I, neither of those guys really performed that well in those times, and Draymond was a minus 23 in 27 minutes. It was very interesting to see, but it was very clear how much bigger most of the time that Denver was, and Gordon is such a big part of that where he gets switched on to Clay and Clay's guarding him in the post. Okay, he'll back him down, he'll get into the post, he'll finish over the top of him, or he'll go to the offensive rebounding position and find ways to be impactful there. Only had a couple offensive rebounds, but the plays that he did have were impactful. He was drawing free throws, he was drawing and ones, he was doing everything that he could to just be involved and, and be effective. And then the alley-oop dunk that he caught on the short roll pass from Nikola Jokic was great. Like, that was started by, and this was like right at the end of the game, kind of a nice encapsulation at the end. Murray, hard hedge from the big, has to get the ball to Jokic in the middle of the floor. But once he gets the ball to Jokic in the middle of the floor, the defense is dead because they committed two to Murray. And there's now three players guarding four. And Jokic is the guy who's making that decision. So he's going for the highest possible uh, percentage shot. And it's either going to be a floater for him or it's going to be a lob to Gordon. And he threw the lob and it was great. Like, that's just how it works. And that was a great kind of exclamation point for what happened and that what was a great performance from Denver in the second half. And Gordon is at the center of that often. Like, he just is. He had some great defensive moments against Curry, had some great defensive moments against uh, Kaminga and against Clay at times. Not as much against Clay. But it was interesting to watch. It was interesting to see. And Gordon just deserves a bunch of credit. Porter wasn't great last night. Nine points on 11 shots. One of the threes that he made, he had his foot on the line. And this is now like the third or fourth time in the last three games that he has had a foot on the line when he's made a three. Dude's got to like get his feet off the line. Like If, if you're going to take the threes, you got to take threes. You can't take 23 feet, seven inch shots. That can't be a thing. So he's got to be able to do that and only had nine points. But he did have seven rebounds and did have a steal and was a better kind of presence on the defensive end in the second half than he was in the first half. But the real guy that deserves a lot of credit, guy who won the DPOG chain yesterday, KCP, 13 points, five of nine from the field, two of four from three, one of one from the line on a uh, technical free throw. Only had one steal, but was a plus 19 because Steph Curry on the other side. This is now kind of being a, a thing, right? Steph Curry on the other side in 32 minutes had 20 points on 19 shots, 6 of 19 from the field, 1 of 10 from 3, and went 7 of 8 from the line. So Curry had more free throws made than he had field goals made. That's rare. And for a guy that doesn't get to the free throw line as much as like, Curry doesn't get to the free throw line a lot. I thought Murray didn't necessarily do a great job defending him, especially in the third quarter. But for the most part, Denver did a great job defensively against Curry. And KCP takes the lion's share of the credit for that. He's the guy who's always on him initially. Murray had some time against him, especially with the starting unit. But it was nice to see. It was good to see Denver figure some stuff out there. And now in four games... Steph Curry's plus minus across those four games is now a minus 59, which is wild. He has not been positive against Denver once in four games. 
Denver swept Golden State this year, and they just have kind of figured that out by the looks of it. It's really interesting to see. So I've been very, very impressed. And that's just one of those things where you could kind of see the changing of the guard in real time, where the Warriors, the 2022 champs, didn't really have any answers this year for the 2023 champs in Denver. So really, really cool to see. Yes, Denver let Klay Thompson go off in the first half with 23 points, but they allowed zero as well to Klay in the second half. Part of that's on the Warriors for not necessarily doing a great job there, but Denver only allowed 42 second half points against Golden State. Like, when Denver locks in and when KCP and AG are at their best, it really, really looks good. And just really, really impressed with the way that they've handled themselves now. Very excited to see it. I've been looking forward to this, man. Like, it's you want to see <laughs> the downfall of the Warriors. It's kind of coinciding with the downfall of the Lakers and the Suns as well. They're in all very similar positions with aging stars. We've got Steph, LeBron, KD. Like, so many resources tied up into older players. And just seeing those guys kind of age out a little bit. Denver's in a position now where they could take advantage. And they did take advantage last year, but... For as much as the Lakers, Warriors, and Suns are talked about, like they're just not factors right now. It's it's wild to see all the young teams like Minnesota and OKC. Those teams are are really the factors themselves. Uh, Denver's been able to kind of minimize what they do, what Golden State does to them, because they've got some young and versatile athletes as well. They've got a great starting lineup to be clear, but how about Christian Brown? How about Zeke Naji last night? That was interesting to see, right? Denver's playing some interesting lineups, and they're playing some interesting combinations. Reggie Jackson wasn't great. Peyton Watson actually wasn't great last night, I thought. I thought that he was a little bit loose in terms of his defensive coverages and then just wasn't an impactful offensive player. But Christian Brown made some plays, and Zeke Naji even made some plays. I liked the lineup that Denver ran with Zeke Naji in the fourth quarter. Here's what they did. And this is how you knew that Denver was like, they were going for this one. Jamal Murray, Reggie Jackson, they took Christian Brown off the floor and they put in Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon at the four and Zeke at the five. That was fascinating. That was interesting to me. It wasn't like Denver had tremendous amount of success with that, but that is a different lineup variation that Denver hasn't really gone to so far this year. And I liked it. I like that they had, hey, here's a couple playmaking players, and here's size in the front court, size to match up with Golden State's size, because in the first three games of this matchup, really three and a half games, because Denver got killed in the first half too, Dario Saric, Trace Jackson Davis, Jonathan Kaminga, uh, even Kevon Looney on the bench, those guys had all been impactful offensive rebounding, and Golden State had some impactful offensive rebounds last game, too. Like In their starting lineup, there were only three offensive rebounds for Golden State, but there were eight in the second half, or eight in the uh, the second unit, excuse me. Guys like Lester Quinones, uh, who had a pretty solid game himself. Gary Payton II had three offensive rebounds. Trace Jackson Davis and Kevon Looney had one apiece. But Darius Arch is also somebody who's given Denver some issues on the interior as well. And Denver just needed a little bit more size, and they needed more physicality. So out goes Peyton Watson, out goes Christian Brown, out goes um, some of the other guys that they usually go to. 
And Denver goes with their big front line along with Zeke Naji, who, like him or hate him, like Zeke is 6'9", and he's played a lot more physical this year than he has in previous years. So he's never going to win any awards for his physicality, I don't think, but he was battling out there. That was nice to see. Did he have any defensive rebounds? No, but he had three offensive rebounds. He had a block, a really impressive block as well. And then Christian Brown comes back in on the floor and makes an impact himself. I was really, really impressed with the way that Christian Brown played. And you're starting to see the vision a little bit. You're starting to see where Denver can kind of get some help, where they can get some additional lineups with the combos that they have. Uh, Denver had barely played Murray, Porter, and Gordon with the second unit before. And they did. That's a that's a playoff caliber lineup. And Denver's got the flexibility, I think, to mix and match some of those groups. So credit to them. And credit to Michael Malone for sticking with Zeke Najdi in that situation, who made an impact. And then they even played him at the four, next to Nikola Jokic for a couple minutes. Najdi even made an extra play. He had an assist, swinging the ball out from the corner to the top of the key to Christian Brown, who hit an open three-pointer. And that's one where, like, that's growth. That's growth right there, because I'm not sure that Christian Brown makes that earlier in the season. He might. Like, he was shooting pretty well early in the season, too, but it's just about moments. It's just about poise. And Christian is starting to really settle down, I think. So, credit to him. Credit to Christian Brown's defense as well against Jonathan Kaminga, who is not really a factor in this game, despite the fact that he got to the free throw line 13 times. Uh, just wasn't a good, wasn't a good fit. And it was very impressive to see Denver kind of mix and match their different groups in order to find the right matchups. And Zeke was the right matchup, which was fascinating to see. Really, really impressed with Denver, obviously. They deserve a ton of credit. When we come back, I'm actually going to discuss my initial concerns and just kind of address some of the things that I said prior to the All-Star break about how I was concerned about Denver. Was I right or wrong to be concerned? We'll talk about that on the other side. But first, this message from Scott DeHuff. Final segment. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Before we get into the final segment, though, I wanted to drop... Where is it? Where is it? It is... Oh, it's actually not even here. Uh, (laughs) The number 38 is going to be hosting us for a watch party. Uh, It's going to be a Stiffs watch party and a post-game podcast with me and potentially with some other fun guests. Uh, we're going to be doing a, a post-game podcast at a live venue. So if you're in the in your, in the Denver area, if you're wanting to be around, if you want to watch Denver play against Gold uh, against the Los Angeles Lakers on Saturday, you can meet me. You can meet any of the Mile High Sports crew that'll be there. And then I'm going to do a live show, and you can ask questions on the podcast if you're interested. So make sure to go check that out. Number thirty-eight is the name of the bar, the the kind of venue that we are going to be going to. It's got a big stage. It's got a big screen for the game, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, I think. So should be very interesting. I'm looking forward to it. All right, final segment. 
Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Let's go over whether I was right or wrong to to express concerns about Denver because I I've been catching a lot of flack. I've been catching <laughs> and like some of the folks in here, Cedric knows this very very clearly. I've been catching a lot of heat on social, especially on Twitter, for expressing concerns, for being pessimistic, for being a guy who like is is trying to uh, bring up some valid concerns about Denver's rotation and why they didn't do anything at the trade deadline or they're not going to do anything on the buyout market or anything like that. And then Denver goes 3-0 and out of the All-Star break. And it sort of feels like, hey, they've, they've figured some things out here. They've figured some things out. And <laughs> it's just fascinating to see how Denver kind of evolves and how they, like, despite the fact that I had concerns, they still look like the best team in the West, at least when they try. Denver doesn't always try. And you start to, you, you kind of lose that, or at least I kind of lose that at various points in terms of my perspective. I think that there could have been some players that would have helped Denver on the fringes that would have helped them with different situations. Uh, somebody like a Danilo Gallinari is somebody who I would have pointed at for Denver, somebody to provide a little bit of bench spacing in the front court, be another big body that Denver can throw out there. Denver's at their best when they're playing big, and somebody like a Gallo would be helpful, especially if, let's say, Michael Porter goes down. Let's say Aaron Gordon goes down. Let's say Zeke Naji is not available, or let's say Peyton Watson is not available. I think that Denver should be trying to maximize their roster, should be trying to maximize their optionality heading into the playoffs. Now, that didn't happen, and I was pretty concerned. And then Denver went on the three-game losing streak heading into the All-Star break, and I was pretty concerned about it. Not not necessarily the the losing streak itself, and that's where people kind of have that disconnect. The unfortunate thing for me personally was that the, the concerns that I was trying to lay out were independent of regular season losses because I don't care about that as much. I care about the way Denver looks. I care about the way that they're going to play, the options that they have at their disposal in the playoffs. I even said it like before the final game of the All-Star break that like, look, I don't care what they do heading into the like in the final game because that one just is never going to be indicative of anything, anything at all. You always get some weird stuff at the very beginning of the All-Star break and the very end of the All-Star break. But Denver's still figuring some stuff out. And they're still kind of going through these layers of understanding what their rotation is going to be. And that they've introduced Zeke Naji back into the rotation is very interesting. But more than anybody, the guy that I, I think changes my perspective on this more than anything is Christian Brown. He had stagnated before the All-Star break. He looks like a different player and a different athlete post-All-Star break. He's not making every shot or anything like that. He's not making all the great decisions. There are still some things that he has to figure out. But more than anything, over the course of these last three games, I've come to realize that if Christian Brown just plays like he did last year from a physicality and a competitiveness standpoint and then makes the winning plays, then my concerns are very muted. Like where 
look, Reggie Jackson is going to be out there in the minutes where Murray isn't, or they could play with a non-point guard look, and there are going to be some times where they could do that. Peyton Watson's going to give them some minutes here or there, but he's not necessarily the be-all, end-all either. At the beginning of the year, I was talking about Christian Brown as their sixth man, as somebody who would be the guy who plays the most minutes off the bench, who has the most versatility, who can fill the Bruce Brown role in a lot of ways. And it doesn't it didn't look like that was going to happen for much of the season. But now that he's starting to figure some things out, I feel a lot better about it. I feel a lot better about Zeke kind of looking like a functional player after the All-Star break or and even like right before than I did previously because here's the thing, relying on DeAndre Jordan as your only major front court player would have been a problem. Peyton Watson for all the skills that he has defensively is not a big player. He's not a physical player. He he can play a little bit of a physical brand. But like I, I think you could see it in the game yesterday. Peyton Watson had one rebound in his 11 minutes and Denver needed him to be better. He was a minus 11. Denver kind of cut him out in the second half. He only played like the last 4 minutes of the third quarter and then didn't play in the fourth. Denver needed a physical player in that situation. They needed somebody that they could trust. And it turns out it was Ignaji. I didn't expect that. Did anybody really expect that? No. But weird things happen. And I am, I think, a big enough person to admit when I'm wrong in a situation. I don't think I'm going to admit it just yet because there are still some things that Denver's got to go through that that they're going to have to learn. And I still kind of feel a little bit queasy about them only having a certain number of guys that they can trust. I would like to see them play Julian Strother a little bit more in the final 24 games or whatever they have over the course of the rest of the regular season to see if he could be ready for a playoff series here or there. Justin Holiday has been fine, not necessarily super enchanted by what he's brought to the table, especially in the last couple of months or so. He was great in November and December when they called upon him. Not as much in January and February. I wonder if, like, maybe that changes. And he's better in March and April. Or May. Or June. And then maybe Zeke Naji, Like, is somebody who sort of proves me wrong. Because I was ready to write him off. For sure. Like, he wasn't good. He was not good for the vast majority of the time that Denver was out there. And Denver couldn't win his minutes in any way, shape, or form. And that's where I get really concerned because they weren't able to put together good lineups around him. And that's just one of the skill sets you have to have heading into a playoff series. You just have to be able to be a part of something that is good. And he was really struggling with that. Maybe that changes in the second half stretch and we see a little bit different. Or Aaron Gordon just plays the backup center, and he plays 35 minutes a game, 40 minutes a game, and Denver's fine. They might be fine. They might be okay. And I'm willing to say that I'm probably wrong, if I'm being honest. And I, and I was probably wrong for expressing the concerns as vociferously as I did. Because it is going to be so fascinating to see whether Denver can thread this needle or not. They are trying to go young. Jalen Pickett, Hunter Tyson, Julian Strother, three young guys that they've barely even played. Vlako Chanchar recovering from a torn ACL, not going to be a factor for Denver 
pretty much for the entire time. Colin Gillespie's on a two-way contract, and he's also too small to really make an impact in the playoff series. And Denver just doesn't have too many options beyond those guys. Like, Justin Holiday can be helpful. DeAndre Jordan, we'll see whether he can be helpful in stretches. Never more than, like, two or three minutes at a time. And for that reason, you start to, like, really crunch your lineups a lot. And it puts a lot of pressure on the end of the bench, or the main bench guys in Reggie Jackson, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson. And it puts even more pressure on the starters, which maybe that's fine. Maybe that's what we've asked for. Maybe that's what is the price of employing such a great starting unit, is that they're going to have to like play well in the non-starter minutes as well. They're going to have to stagger. They're going to have to play a lot. And maybe that's okay. I didn't think that Denver should approach it that way. I thought they should have gotten another guy that they could at least like mix into their rotation a little bit. But the last time they tried that last year, it didn't work. And then Denver found their rotation anyway with the players that were already in tow. So, look, who knows? I, at this point, am comfortable enough in my own skin to admit when I'm wrong. And I will certainly admit when I'm wrong. That, that, that will happen. Denver's off to a great start in proving me wrong. And I'm, I hope that they do. I really, really do. It would be awesome if they did. Because what does that mean for everybody? It means Denver won a freaking championship again. It means that they won and did amazing work, despite the fact that they weren't in the best place to succeed. Where they're threading the needle like I talked about. So we're going to find out. We're going to find out if they do. I'm looking forward to seeing if they can. And most importantly... We're just going to have a lot of fun along the way, getting to watch Nikola Jokic, a top 10 player of all time. He's moving into that category, and I think he will be there very, very soon. And we'll see where he continues to grow. We'll see whether Jamal Murray continues to grow. We'll see whether Michael Porter continues to grow. And maybe it's their grow, uh, their growth that really changes things into a good situation. For Denver. I'm curious. I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to watching it unfold. And I hope Denver has the right mix. I really do. All right, everybody. Think that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and support on the podcast, as always. Not sure what the schedule is going to be like for the upcoming week. I might do a podcast on Tuesday night. I have not decided yet, but it's going to be fascinating to see. Uh, Denver's got a back-to-back, obviously, on Wednesday and Thursday. So maybe I'll do Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You may not see me for a couple days. I'll, I'll have to kind of figure that out. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning into the show. Really appreciate all the love and support. Hit that like button, that subscribe button on the way out. I will talk to you guys very soon.